Hi everyone, welcome to White Coats of the Round Table. My name is Mike Asbach and I'm joined by John McDonald. We're a healthcare podcast focused on career development, non-clinical careers, and burnout prevention. John, Good morning and good afternoon, good evening and good night. I guess, yeah, that's an appropriate uh, way to, to intro it considering that this is asynchronous and people are going to listen at any time, but we're recording in the morning, so good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. I I was just saying goodbye to the kids because they're going on the bus, and it was kind of a hectic morning, so I yelled out, good night, and everybody looked at me. And so I had a quick-witted, I had some thinking to do. I was like, well, guys, I'm not going to see you tonight. I'm working all day. They're like, oh, okay. So now Dad still knows everything. Safe. Yeah. (laughs) Well, John, what do you want to talk about today? Yeah, today we're going to talk about overextension and what we would call burning the candle at both ends and how might it look different to different people, specifically you and me. Excellent. And I I think this is a great topic. I I will say that as we do this, I want to make sure that we're kind of threading the needle here because we have talked about burnout a good amount. And I do think it's an important topic that does deserve its own separate conversation. So uh, part of the way that I want to approach this is make sure that we're distinguishing time management or overextension from just work-life balance, because I think they're two separate things. Uh, the way that I would delineate the two, and then I'll kick it back to you in case you want to maybe challenge or add to my definition, is I think we've talked about work-life balance in the past, and work-life balance is making sure that you are being very conscious and very intentional in how much you work, where you work, when you work, to ensure that you're that you still have good balance, that you can still pursue, uh, you know, what you want to personally, that you still have, you know, good opportunities to spend time with loved ones, family, friends, things like that. We don't want to be workaholics, and the way that I defin- define being a workaholic is you are working to the point that it has significant detriment to your personal life. This, I think, is a different conversation in my mind because time management or being overextended is something that can happen more episodically. So even with our best efforts to maintain good work-life balance, to, to make sure that we are being very ambitious in our careers, but then also still maintaining that balance of engaging in the personal life, engaging in whatever we want to do, having an identity outside a career, there's still going to be times where things go sideways. And where things may not go the way um, we think they will. And I'll kick it to you. And then if you want, we can even give personal examples, because certainly this is a topic that's fresh on mind for both of us because of recent experiences. And uh, I'd be happy to share why I'm thinking about this topic this week. But I want to kick it to you just to make sure that you're um, in agreement with the definition before we move forward. Yeah, I think when we discuss burnout, we do have to be very careful with normal stress and always delineate delineate between the two because we don't want to make the excuse that something's going on in our life because of burnout when it it really might even be it just that you overextended for a short amount of time and it's not supposed to last forever um, and when I when I consider overextension 
I I consider more of not necessarily what might happen in the short term. What I was primarily mulling over in my head was when we say yes to too many things, I would say that your definition is clear enough with the caveat that I wasn't necessarily thinking that everybody necessarily deals with this, but that this is a learning opportunity for those who have overextended. So I do like where you're going with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think overextension is probably something that is maybe more endemic to healthcare careers than others. I I think about it with accounting because I know it's September, but my accountant just finally put in our taxes because she filed for an extension. And accounting is, you know, busy season is going to be January through April or through July, depending on what you're doing. And then the summer is usually a little bit slower. I've got a friend who's a, an accountant and, you know, he has a golf membership. And in the summer, he's usually taking at least one day a week and golfing. So there's certainly other careers or other fields where there's maybe a, a busy season or an ebb and flow. But even if you're someone who is primarily clinical, you know, if you're working as an ER physician or an ERPA, there's probably unlimited opportunity to pick up overtime or pick up extra shifts. And I think everybody's been in that position where, you know, at the time they're asked to take a sh- an extra shift and they say, oh, yeah, that sounds great. You know, the extra money sounds great. I need to save up for Christmas or that's an extra vacation. And then when you get there and you're working, you know, 12 days in a row, if <laughs> you look at it and say, what have I done? So I think it is something that we probably all deal with to some degree, simply because healthcare is a field that essentially has unlimited demand. If you are a, a licensed healthcare professional, there is not really a shortage of work opportunities. It's really going to always be limited by how much time you want to invest and how much you want to do in terms of sacrifice to personal life. Let me ask you this. So Joe Schmo goes to work, gets a couple of projects, says yes to too many things. And the next week, he's got a lot of family commitments, but he's got deliverables that have to be submitted that week as well. Finish one of the projects, but you still have one looming and you still never got to be with your family. That, I would say, would be an overextension and you can't really do much about it. You've overpromised and it's a, it's a learning uh, it's a learning point for yourself. You, you just There's nothing you could possibly do. There's no more time in the week to get this done. Well, let me tell you a little bit about my last week. I had a, a period of overextension that happened recently. And in part, I, everyone knows at this point, I like to burn the candle at both ends. I like to, to be in constant motion. I thankfully really love what I do. I enjoy my career. I love the diversity of, you know, mixing in clinical work with consulting, with teaching. And generally, it's good. But last week, we had some stuff happen where everything went from a a good work-life balance to a very stressful work-life balance rather quickly. So I had a uh, a trip down south. I went to Memphis to do some teaching for a pharmaceutical company, and it was a a three-day trip. So I was gone Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. On Friday, I was supposed to take the 6 a.m. flight home and get home by, I think, 10.30 a.m. So my intention was Friday was going to be a catch-up day. I had, you know, all these grand intentions to to get a lot of admin work done and also get some good family time in because I 
wasn't going to go back to the office. I was going to use Friday as as not only a catch-up day for work, but then also to make sure that I was maintaining a good work-life balance with time with kids, time with my spouse, time with my extended family. And as air travel, you know, tends to do, things went sideways. So when I was flying, not only did I have issues because the internet wasn't working on the airplane and I was counting on the internet working so that I could get some work done while flying, but then my flight sat on the Memphis airport runway for an hour. I missed my extension in DC and the next flight didn't get me home until 7.30 PM. So I had all this time sitting in the airport I unfortunately was not as productive as I should have been because I was frustrated. I was annoyed that I missed the flight. I was tired because I got up at 4 a.m. to be at the airport after three days of, you know, travel and driving and teaching. So I had a, a low productivity day in the airport in part because of my my lack of discipline. But what compounded this, so I already had a, a really tough week where I was behind the eight ball. And then in our personal lives, we had um, a, a close family member pass away from cancer. And then we had to immediately go down to Ohio to be with family and grieve and, and do the funeral and all that. So when I got in Friday night, I came home at 7.30 p.m. I unpacked my bag. I you know said hello to my kids and then packed my bag up. And Saturday morning, got in the car with my wife and we drove down to Ohio for this funeral. And I am so thankful that I went because as you're talking about, you know, personal sacrifice, things like that, I would not even ever imagine. It was never something that ever crossed my mind that I wouldn't go to the funeral just because I was backed up on work. This was someone who, you know, was very close to our family, played a really big role in my life, played a big role in my wife's life. And it was a a wonderful celebration of his life. And I'm really thankful for that. It was good. It was cathartic to go and grieve as a family. I mean, that's the whole point of funerals. But then being out of town for an additional three days, I had to cancel my my schedule at work for the Monday because the funeral was on Monday. So everything just continued to compound because I had essentially four days straight of low productivity where on my schedule, when I'm figuring out what I'm going to do each week, I had those four days as big catch-up days because I was out of town and speaking and traveling. So that threw everything off and it immediately transitioned from, hey, I really like burning the candle at both ends. I, I'm going fast. I, I really enjoy this. I like, you know, always being on task and moving to, holy crap, I have some really hard deadlines coming up. I don't know how I'm going to get this done. I don't know where I'm going to find the time. So the flip side to that, though, is thankfully within a week I was caught up. I, I we have talked about a previous episode. My secret weapon is I get up early. So when I need to, I'll get up at 5 a.m. Normally, I go to work between you know, 6, 6, 6.30, 6.45. So if I get up at 5, I get an extra hour to an hour and a half of the day. The kids are not awake yet, so I'm not taken away from family time. The house is quiet. I'm a morning person naturally, so you know, make a pot of coffee, sit down with a laptop, and get some work done. And by doing that for a couple days, I was able to play catch up, and I was able to get things back to a, a reasonable position. So I was able to to get back to where I needed to be, but just a couple days going sideways really threw things off. So this is why I think on my mind, it's fresh of just time management and overextension. Because like I said, I I see it as more episodic as opposed to um, endemic or a burnout issue where, you know, maybe you're, you're working a job that is just asking too much of you or taking too much emotional toll, where 
being overextended might be normally this works out, but because of whatever variety of circumstances it didn't. With COVID, I think everybody has had that happen where maybe you have a sick kid, they can't go to daycare, and then you're trying to figure out how to cover a shift at work or you're trying to figure out how to reschedule 25 patients because you just, you can't go in. You, you got to stay home with the sick kid. So I think the key is to then figure out, have a plan in place before you become overextended because we're probably not going to avoid it. But have a plan in place for what to do when you feel overextended. So it's it's fair to say that everybody's going to be overextended at some point. I think that's what you're you're getting at. I mean, I maybe not if you're someone who, you know, wants to work your your three twelve hour shifts or you know work forty hours and really be very content with that. I would probably say that most people listening to this are people that are looking to continue to progress and advance in their career. I think it's a good opportunity, though, because we always like to say this, to at least always point out that if you are someone that wants to just work your 40 hours and then find meaning and purpose outside of work, that's really great. I uh, I never want the purpose of this podcast to be an inappropriate overemphasis of careers because I think careers are wonderful and it's really uh, meaningful and enjoyable to advance in your career. But at the same time, there's other paths to happiness. But I, I think most people that are ambitious in their career will experience periods of I think I have a different tact from from your story. Personally, I was reflecting on this because instead of burning the candle at both ends, I mean, which w- was what I was doing, there is the drive in your career to want to move forward. As you were saying, a lot of people listening want to move forward in their career, find happiness in things that they're doing for work, actually have pleasure in your work rather than feeling like you're just making money to support your life outside of work. We say yes to things sometimes that we shouldn't say yes to. And I found something interesting. It was actually on a TikTok where we were meant, they were mentioning self-care and how self-care is usually talked about as you know taking a bath, um, reading a book, going on a walk, exercising, the things that you do for, for yourself. Um, but they made the argument, true self-care is learning boundaries, um, really taking care of your, your inner self rather than only physical, where if you have boundaries set, emotional uh, or work boundaries, you learn to say no to things that you're not ready for. Uh, so if you don't have that ability yet, you are going to find a lot of excitement in somebody approaching you with an opportunity. Um, and you might fall like I did, uh, fall into saying yes to too many things. And when you finally have your deliverables, you really want to make an impression on your, your clients, um, your coworkers. And then you realize you have another deadline with another individual with a separate company. You realize you said yes to too many things because you really wanted to see all the opportunities out there. You wanted to take part in a few different areas so that you had more experience. So the long or the short of it, Mike, is I had to learn the hard way that even though something looks like a great opportunity for me, it doesn't mean that it's it's the right time uh, in my career to do it. 
So I think I have three takeaways as I'm sitting and reflecting and trying to digest uh, what you're saying there. And I, I like what you're saying because I think there's some really good key points to take out of that. And the first takeaway is you're absolutely right, is everybody's different. And so much of our, our culture, either in healthcare or even more broadly, is comparative. I think we're a very materialistic culture. We very much want to keep up with the Joneses. And in a personal life, that may look like, you know, oh my gosh, I work in healthcare. All the doctors around me are driving Mercedes. I need to get a Mercedes, even though I have half a million dollars in debt. From a career standpoint, though, I think keeping up with the Joneses can often look like taking on extra projects or being asked to sit on committees at the hospital. And maybe it's something you have an interest in, but a a lot of it may just be you're saying yes because you feel that's what's expected of you. You feel that there's an obligation to do it. You see everyone else around you taking on these extra assignments or tasks. And you're right. Everybody is going to be different. So I think making sure that you are building the career that you want. And certainly that doesn't mean do nothing or do everything, but rather you may have different priorities. You may have different things that you're looking to do. We talk a lot on this podcast about career planning, and I'm a big believer that a lot of times people don't have a firm idea or plan of what they want to achieve. I'm constantly sitting down or at least even mentally sitting down and thinking about what am I wanting to achieve in one year, three years, five years from my career? And I always try to make sure that if I'm saying yes to stuff, if even clinically in my day job, that what I'm engaging, what I'm spending my most valuable asset, which is my time that those are tasks that are bringing me closer to that next step in my career. So if I'm taking on a new speaking role, I want to make sure that it's one that gets me closer to whatever that eventual goal is. If I'm taking on a, a new you know research project, I want to make sure that it's something that is in line with where I'm trying to continue to expand my role as a clinical expert. So I think having intentionality helps because so often what happens is I think people don't have a good plan and they may not necessarily have a, a strict adherence to that plan because the plan is not totally formed or they're not quite sure. So I think not keeping up with the Joneses, also having a plan can make a big difference. And within that, I think when you have a plan, there's also maybe an easier time of being incremental. And so often, and I've done it, you've done it, I think everybody has done it to some degree, there's a, a desire to swing for the fences or you have an opportunity and you feel like, okay, I'm not quite sure if I'm ready for this opportunity, but I'm going to go for it because I don't know if this opportunity is going to come again. And here's an example that's relevant right now. Tonight, I actually am sitting on a, a publishing committee. So we are working on developing a new um, consensus guideline for uh, treatment algorithms. And I said yes to the project because... I thought it sounded really interesting. I do treatment-resistant depression and mood disorders in my day job. And yesterday, they sent out the Zoom link for it. And I was looking at the other people that are on the committee that are CC'd on the Zoom link. And I had this moment of panic because the other people on the call are really big deals in the field of psychiatry. And I realized, oh, crap, this is, I'm, I'm like the token non-physician on this. I'm going to be the token PA or NP. So that's great. I'm excited that I'm part of this committee and it's going to be really meaningful work. But also, 
I need to make sure I don't look like an idiot because I'm going to be with people that are way smarter than me. I'm going to be the dumbest guy in the room tonight. And I need to make sure that I'm prepared, that I'm ready, that I'm actually meaningful, meaningfully contributing. So I, I hope it goes well tonight. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying it will go poorly, but it was one of those situations where it's an incredible opportunity. I, I took a swing at it because it's something that I think my abilities are ready for. But at the same time, I'm definitely a little bit nervous going into it because it might be on the outer edges of my abilities, just in the sense that I will definitely be the the low guy in the ladder. I will be the 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 maybe the least valuable person in the room tonight. And that's fine. That's an okay place to be. But it also means that I might be pushing the limits of of where my abilities are. So I think there's a fine balance of pushing your limits and continuing to grow and expand because if you're not a little bit scared, then I, I think you're probably too comfortable and maybe not taking enough chances. But the flip side to that is if you overextend and you outkick your coverage where you find yourself completely in over your head, that is a really hard position to be in because that's where I think that burnout comes from or that that high level of stress. Because if you're doing a task that is within your expertise, you can probably complete it pretty efficiently. If you're doing a task that's outside of your expertise, that's where it, it takes a lot of time. It, you, you may be spending three times more on it than you, you would if you, it was something within your wheelhouse. And hope, like I said, hopefully tonight I'm not out kicking my coverage, but it's something that's incredibly on the, on the front of my mind just because last week was maybe a little bit of an overextension week and this week I'm caught up. But now I'm in a position where I'm maybe a little bit nervous going into tonight's meeting, just making sure that I'm useful. As you were talking, I was thinking, you you know where you want to be. I mean, you you are a thinker, planner. Uh, you you look out for years. Now, there are people like myself who I don't have a narrow view of anything. I I would like to see what the breadth of world the world looks like and what the future looks like, and say like, man, I, I like that. I like that. Like. I don't know really what I want to do, but I do a lot of different things. I'm jack of all, master of none type. So uh, what about the people, though, who don't have a plan, don't really even know what they want to do? Because you're going to get into a position where you might not feel like you're the expert in the area that you want to go into because you haven't got to practice yet. I mean, we've talked about finding these jobs where it says two years minimum needed of this experience. But it's like, well, I, I, how am I supposed to get experience if I can't get experience? That's where some of the people listening today, that's what the listener at home is thinking right now is, well, it's great if you know what you want to do, but how do I know if I'm going to overextend myself? It's a great question. I would, I would argue or posit that if you don't know what you want to do or if you're not really well-defined in your career direction, that's probably a really good indicator that you should not overextend yourself, that you should be extremely cautious to protect against overextension. Because I think that's a situation where that stress is going to kick up very quickly. My hope is that we, through all of the content that we've created, we've continued to try and highlight these opportunities for introductory experience in various non-clinical roles or even different opportunities to get on the leadership track from an administrative standpoint. I think going back to the episode that we did with Harrison talking about, you know, publishing in different low-hanging fruit. If you're not quite sure what direction you want to go, I think you still go after those 
those side hustles or those extra tasks because that's how you build your CV. That's how you build your experience and also hone in what you like, what you're good at, and maybe that gives you that career direction. But, you know, look for a poster presentation at a conference or put in an abstract to present at a state organization conference instead of a big national conference. I think go after that low-hanging fruit, but be very, very protective of making sure you're not overextended. If you're not quite sure what direction you want to take your career, don't submit five different abstracts to five different conferences on five different topics, just hoping that something hits. Rather, find a topic that you feel comfortable on, that you feel good about, and then maybe submit that same topic to three state organization conferences, but submit the same topic. And if you have two of them hit, great. Then you just present a similar thing twice. But I think making sure that you're not, um, like you said, uh, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, I think that's not a bad position to be. But if you are poking and prodding and trying different things to see what sticks or to see what feels good or what it, you enjoy, that's a great position to be in because, you know, we want to do things that sound interesting. And I, I kind of love the idea of also being a bit of a renaissance person where you can have the flexibility in your career to try different things. Not everybody has to niche in and be an expert in a narrow field. But I think if you're going to be diversified and kind of poke and prod to try and figure out what works, you're also probably exposing yourself to greater risk of overextension because you're going to be saying yes to a lot of different things that may not necessarily all align with each other. One of the things that I always try to do is anytime I take on a project, even with white coats, we talk about this a lot, I always think about the vert vertical integration of it. So if I am writing a, an article, I think about, okay, can I convert this article into a presentation at a conference? If I present at a conference, is this something that we can then convert into some other educational content? The way that I always think about it is if I am creating intellectual property, whatever that looks like, either clinically or non-clinically, I want to make sure I can get as many uses out of that intellectual property as I can because that's everything moving in the same direction, everything moving in the same stream. If you are more diverse in your interests or pursuits, you're trying to figure out where your career is going to go, you may have less opportunity to vertically integrate. And that means more work, which once again is not bad, but more risk of overextension. It's the old trope of know thyself, I guess, and know where you've been stressed in the past and know the pitfalls or be aware of the pitfalls you've encountered in the past and try to remember when you felt overstressed, think about the current situation and say, is this similar to that time where I felt like I, I just couldn't do it anymore? So I would recommend if you don't know, try to find the opportunity in your current work or even in volunteer work where the risk is extremely low so you can dip your toe in and not worry about um, disappointing or losing a, a job because of really what's called ignorance, not understanding or knowing what you don't know. I think uh, maybe a good way to finish this is I'd love to take you through my process for overextension. So before we came on here, I sat down and just thought about, okay, what is my my like step-by-step -step process when I'm feeling stressed or when I feel like there's too many tasks hanging over my head? And you know, the good news is I, I'm very process oriented in my my personal life and in my job. So I like kind of thinking through if this, then that. 
So let me walk you through it. This is my process when I feel like it's too much. So I start, number one, is begin by listing all of the outstanding tasks and responsibilities. Number two is then I estimate how much time is needed for each task. So I always like to do this because I'm big on time blocking. And if I think a project is going to take two hours, then I'll set aside two hours for that project. If it goes beyond the two hours, even at the two hour mark, I stop to make sure that my day is still structured, that I'm still getting everything done. Because I, the way that it works for me, it's much better if I touch several things in a day than spend eight hours on a project that it was meant to be for, then everything else backs up. So estimate the amount of time because that'll give you a sense for how much time you need to create to catch up or complete these projects. And then identify which tasks have hard deadlines. So which tasks have to be done and what that deadline is, which tasks may have flexible deadlines but are still important. We would call those medium priority tasks and then low priority tasks, which are less urgent where it can be pushed out. So don't have a hard deadline. Next step is to determine what level of slack you have in your day. And what I call that is low productivity time. So I think the average American, I've looked it up, but it's been a while. The average American spends about four hours doing per day, doing passive mental activities, meaning watching TV, scrolling social media, doing things that you know aren't productive. So I would argue that almost all of us have slack in our day to day. Now, some of that is good. You know, I think if you have no slack time in your day, that's not a good thing because you're going to put yourself in a position of burnout. But at the same time, when I'm looking at, you know, trying to catch up on tasks, the things that I want to eliminate first to allow myself to catch up is scrolling TikTok, scrolling Facebook or Instagram, watching hiking YouTube videos, which is my favorite passive mental activity, or, you know, sitting and watching Seinfeld reruns. Those are all things that if I eliminate those for my day, it's not going to significantly affect the quality of my life. So identify if there's slack time and then estimate how much slack time you can either reduce or eliminate and then transition that slack time to you know catch up on career tasks. If necessary, the next step is to add time to your day. And what I mean by this is you know getting up early, which is what I like to do, staying up late, uh, working through your lunch, working through you know working on a Saturday or a Sunday to play catch up. This is where, though, I think you have to be very cautious because now we're starting to talk about um, invading personal time or invading self-care to try and play catch up. So I think sometimes it's necessary because if you have a hard deadline on something, you have to, to make sure you're meeting that. You just may have to work on a Saturday. You may have to stay up late to do that. You may have to give up some time with family or friends. But the key, I think, with that is if you are going to invade personal time or self-care is make sure that it is only for a defined period of time. And we talked about this previously. For me, getting up at 5 a.m. is my secret weapon. If I got up at 5 a.m. every day, I'm the type of person that would all of a sudden start filling that time. And then I'd be talking about getting up at 4 a.m. to get everything done. So I only get up at 5 when I'm behind and when I need to play catch up. So once you're caught up, then reflect on why you became overextended. And you talked about this, is talk about, is this a process issue? Is this a one-off? Is this something that I need to reassess? Because everyone will get overextended at some point in their career. But the key is to make sure that if it's happening repeatedly, assess, is this that I'm saying yes to too many things? Is this that I'm saying yes to things that are maybe outside of my skill set? So it's I'm making it harder on myself to get the task done. Is this something where 
my desires for work-life balance are maybe incongruent with what I'm trying to achieve career-wise? Is this something where I have to maybe take a step back either in personal life? Because I'm a big believer that to have career success, there is a personal sacrifice that comes with it. I think the, the TikTok influencers that tell you you can you know be a millionaire without a personal cost to it, they're all lying to you. People that are successful, generally, it comes at a cost. So if you feel like there's maybe an incongruence of what you're aspiring to achieve versus the, the time or the sacrifice you're willing to put in, then reassess that. Does that mean you have to readjust either career expectations or maybe readjust what you're expecting in terms of personal sacrifice to get there, but prevent a recurrence or do everything you can to make sure. So as we talked about from my own personal experience over these past few weeks, I, I think it's a good example where I was overextended because of some external circumstances, you know, flight delays, funerals, those are things that will come up. So it's not that it won't happen again, but it's also stuff where when I look at that, I don't necessarily think I need to completely revamp how I'm balancing or how I'm saying yes to things. I, I do think it ties to our 85% discussion from a few weeks ago where we talked about the importance of having that 85% effort because I think there's always an importance of having a little bit of give in the system so that if you need to up your level of effort to 100%, you can, but then also dial it back to 85 to to make sure it's sustainable. So my my takeaway from the fall, I think from these past few weeks is that maybe I did say yes to a little bit more because I did not give myself enough cushion in the system. I, I was playing it really fast and loose with very, very thin margins in terms of my time management and it bit me in the butt. But at the same time, I'm hopeful and feel fairly confident that some of those external circumstances that led to me getting overextended are not going to continue to happen. That was very clear, concise, Mike. <laughs> um, I would like to say one more thing before we go to a couple of personal items. Learn to say, I need to think about it instead of yes or no. You owe it to yourself. Take some time to think about the opportunities that are coming your way and say, I, I really do need to plan. I really need to think about this and how it's going to impact my life. Make a wise decision because if you can comfortably make a good plan and execute that plan, you're going to feel a lot more confident about your decision making in the future. And you won't have the regrets of saying, man, I, it just sounded so good. It seemed like a one in a lifetime opportunity. I had to do it. Um, there's a big news flash. There's not very many once in a lifetime opportunities. Opportunities come, they go, and they repeat themselves. There will always be an opportunity if you're willing. I, I do like uh, when you and I can both use personal experiences, but also talk about vulnerability that way. Because one of the things I think we hope to do with this project is fight back on maybe the the influencer model. And so often, you know, I see it a lot in finance where. You see these, you know, young kids on TikTok that are saying they're making six million dollars a year day trading, and I always just want to be like bullcrap. And I think healthcare, you have some of that too, maybe not as much, but you do have, I think, a lot of people that are out there talking about how they're just crushing it and how they're making all kinds of money, but not necessarily talking about the cost, the the difficulty of doing that, or they're just over, um, maybe you know, overemphasizing their accomplishments to make themselves look good on social media. And that's the trap of social media is, you know, it's not real life. So I think anything that we can do to actually portray real representations of career advancement, of career hustle, but also the the difficulties that come with that, I think that's hopefully a good thing for everyone involved. 
but let's transition to some personal items. So I've actually got one in the hopper ready to go. So if you want, I can go first. So I'm going to circle back. We haven't talked about it in a while, but you and I are big coffee snobs. And I recently have slowly but surely upped my coffee game. So you got me the, into the Breville and I am with the Breville. I'm at the point now where I can make a better uh, shot of espresso at home than going to Starbucks, which is not saying a whole lot because Starbucks espresso is not great. I'm still a big Starbucks fan because I love their drip coffee, but their espresso is only so-so. But so espresso in the morning, wonderful, especially as the weather's getting a little bit colder. But recently, I just transitioned to using puck screens. And I know that this is such a nuanced thing that three quarters of our audience has no idea what I'm talking about, but it's a metal mesh screen that you put in your espresso basket and it helps distribute the water more evenly and it gives a more uh, full-bodied extraction of the flavors. These, these puck screens were 10 bucks for a pack of three or four of them. So they were relatively cheap. And what a difference it made. Just adding in this metal screen probably improved the quality of my, my espresso shop by 25, 30%. So it was such a low cost investment that made such a big difference. And my goodness, you talk about the the little daily luxuries, having a really, really good, fresh quality cup of coffee, getting a good shot of espresso in the morning to start the day. It uh, It's one of those little things that just brings me joy every single time I do it. So now that the weather's getting colder and we're back to espresso season, I'm really enjoying it. Well, <clears throat> I was going to talk about how I'm reading Dune. Uh, again, but I have to talk about espresso now. Uh, something that I've been doing is learning how to do latte art. Uh, yeah, so uh, my wife and I go to a coffee shop around us quite a bit, and uh, we we now have a friendship with the barista, and we share book ideas. And I was talking to her about lattes and how I'm trying to do the art, and so she started telling me like how she how she does it and. And so I've been practicing at home and I started to get the tulip and I've got the fern going. And so um, it it is one of those little luxuries in life where you have somebody over and you give them a cup and it's actually got latte and you feel a little bit better about yourself. <laughs> it's, like, it's cost it's cost a lot of whole milk, though. I got to tell you that. Uh, but uh, it looks pretty and it tastes good. So for anyone listening that goes to Starbucks on any regular basis. Coffee is so overpriced. If you buy a really high quality espresso machine, for me, the ROI, we paid off the machine in less than a year just in cost savings because we don't go to Starbucks that much anymore. We don't buy $7 drinks for 25 cents. I can make a drink at home that is of higher quality. So this is like my plug for everyone investing in a high, a nice espresso machine for yeah, I, we'll talk more about coffee again. I feel like this is something that I want to talk about beans next time and how to pick quality beans. So that'll be next. That'll be our next conversation. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for listening. This is White Coats of the Round Table. If you like what you hear, consider subscribing. Even leave us a review. If you don't like what you hear, definitely don't review us. Until next week, this is Mike and John. Have a great week, everyone. 